morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to a brand new series entitled, Why? Why? How many of you are, are people that have lots of questions? You know, when you have little ones, there's lots of questions, right? It, when you've had little ones or, or, you know, children, grandchildren, that question why comes up all the time. And, and you answer, and you, you have what you think is this incredible answer to the question, and what's their response? Why? And so you, you launch into some other, other direction. You, you figure you're going to help them out, and you're going to help them fully understand everything about their question. And you get done, you take a breath, you pause, and they come up with three more letters. Why? Now, when you and I, we grow up, and maybe we're not that same child or grandchild anymore, but as we get older, we still have some of those why questions. And we're going to be exploring some of those during our times together in our Sunday mornings. For instance, in, in some upcoming weeks, we'll look at one of these why questions. Maybe it's one you've asked. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Have you ever prayed for something and then maybe it wasn't answered? Or you didn't think it was answered. Or it was answered, but not the way that you wanted it to be answered. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Or more specifically, why didn't he do what I wanted him to do? Why? We'll be looking at that. There's another one that uh, many people ask. You've probably asked. No doubt you've probably heard it from others. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or in other words, why is life sometimes not so easy? Why am I going through some of these hardships? Why are some of these challenges in life? Why does it sometimes seem unfair? So we're going to be looking at some, some of those kinds of why questions that, that relates to life, that relates to God, that relates to the Christian walk. Now we're going to be looking at a biblical concept and a biblical context of answers. Now, as we look to, to try to answer some of these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're just able to pick out, okay, you know, your answer is number two, and your answer is number three, and your answer is number four. Well, we're going to look at, at some good biblical answers to try to help. Here's, here's why maybe some of these things are. So we're going to hope to, to give some good clarity, give some biblical wisdom for you. But today we're going to start with a, a different why question. Why don't I always feel God? Maybe you've wondered that. Maybe you've thought about that. Why don't I always feel God? Christian or not, maybe you've wondered, you've explored that question. So, so let me ask you this. How many of you, and this this is more than just a, a nodding your head kind of answer time. Uh, hands raised if this is you. How many of you at some point in time, at some point in your life, at at least one point in time, believe that you have sensed or felt God in his presence in your life? That's you, hand raised. All right, lots of hands. All right, hand down. 
How many of you, let's get a little more specific, a little more time sensitive. How many of you would say, at some point in time today in our service, you have sensed the presence of God? Hands raised. All right. A bunch of hands, but not quite as many as before. So it begs the question, why? Why? Well, does the answer rely upon you as an individual? Is it something that you did or didn't do? Was it something of coming in prepared or not prepared? Was it my fault? Did, did I not welcome you right? Did I talk about the weather instead of sports? Did I talk about sports instead of the weather? Well, maybe it was the worship team. Because maybe, did they play your song? If it was your song, you know the one that you love, then you would have worshipped, then you would have felt God's presence. Or maybe, maybe it's God's fault. God's, God's showing his power and his presence to those that raised their hands, but to the other ones who didn't, well, some other time is what God's saying. There's a lot of questions. We're, we're wondering, what is the answer? Why do we sometimes not sense or feel God in his presence? Which begs a further question, how do we really know how and when we feel this presence of God. If you ask different people, how do you know that you're in the presence of God? Or how do you, how do you sense his presence? Some might say something like this. Well, well, I get that tingly sensation. Sometimes people talk about kind of the, the goosebumps. Yeah? I just, I felt it. Goosebumps. Or others would say, well, I was, I was overcome with emotion and, and I, I kind of teared up, I kind of cried. The, the presence and the power of God worked upon me. Others might say, well, not maybe a, a tingly sensation, maybe more of a, a warm sensation. There's all kinds of things people would say, here's how I know when I sensed God. How many of you know the truth is there's a lot of things that can cause you to feel that way are there a lot of things that can cause you to kind of be emotional and to tear up uh, probably so don't tell anybody but I can get a little teary watching a Hallmark movie and I watch a bunch of them with Kim I mean it's touching you know they, they, they bring that that movie, they bring that show to the climax of, of emotion and, you know, little floaties in the air that cause a little reaction every now and then. Does that mean that that was the presence of God because there was, you know, a little bit of emotion? Not necessarily. Other things can kind of make you feel tingly. Other things can, can kind of give you that, that unique sensation the reality is God can do that and so much more when it comes to his power and when it comes to his presence in our lives. Here's the thing. If you don't always feel God or sense his presence, I want you to know you're in good company. 
Psalm 88 verses 13 and 14, we're reading the psalmist. David wrote many of these. And when you read the psalms, he is brutally honest at times. How many of you have read through some of the psalms and, and you read what he wrote and you think, whoa, David, you went there? You said what to God? Sometimes David is, is really, really open and honest with how he's feeling. Here's one of these times, Psalms 88, verses 13 and 14. He says, I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Verse 14, why, Lord? There's that word. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? In other words, David's question to God is very similar to what we might ask at times. Sometimes you wonder, God, where are you? God, why don't I feel, why don't I sense, why don't I understand how and where you are? So we're going to examine that question a little bit today. Why is it that sometimes we don't always feel or sense God? We're going to be looking at a number of different possibilities, a number of some biblical contexts and answers. It doesn't mean that this is the entirety of thought, but here's a, a handful of good potential reasons, and we're going to start each one with that word maybe. Maybe this, maybe this. There's some things that might apply to you from the word of God. Why don't I always feel God? Number one, maybe... You're looking for signs and feelings. Maybe you're basing your life, maybe you've been basing your experience on signs and or feelings. It's a rather common response many times. Jesus encountered that. John chapter 6 verse 30, they, these people, asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? People coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to show us? What kind of incredible thing are you going to kind of, you're going to pull a, a rabbit out of a hat? What's next? What kind of sign are you going to do that's going to let us know that this is real? What are you going to do? What are you going to give that we can see and believe? They're looking for signs. They want to understand, if I see this, then I'll know that God has done something. You ever been there? You ever maybe secretly prayed for a sign? God, if this is you, God, if you want me to do this, God, if you would do this sign. And sometimes we can, we can give God something that seems like it's really out there. And if this happens, if God does this, it must mean it's a yes. It must mean he's answered my prayer. But sometimes we go day to day, week to week, month to month, but we're basing it off of signs and or feelings. Yes, at times, God does answer and give signs. I'm not sure about you, though. I've never audibly heard God's voice. 
speaking out loud as I'm speaking to you. I've not done that. I've not heard that. Can God? Has God? Will God? Could God? Yes. But me, I've not heard an audible, out loud voice. But has God spoken to me? Oh, yeah. Many times through his word, as I read the Bible, and, and many of you would say the same thing, whoa, those, those words jumped off the page. That was for me for today. And God speaks through his word, or, or God speaks through prayer. There's that nudge, there's that sense, there's that, that, that longing. But if we go day to day and say, okay, I want God to out loud speak to me, and if I don't hear God speaking out loud, then, then God must not be true. God must not be real. God must not be, his presence must not be here. We've got to be cautious. Sometimes we're basing it purely on signs. Is God's presence powerful? Can God's presence kind of overwhelm us at times? Yeah. Can God's presence sometimes be that kind of still, small voice? at times yes many times God does respond with signs but not every time same thing with feelings we enjoy feelings we enjoy those goosebumps we enjoy those sensations we enjoy the uh, whatever you want to describe it and when you're in, in the presence of God and, and you just know man God is here God is present however you describe it we like those kinds of feelings do we have those kinds of feelings every single day? Probably not. You know, just yesterday we had a, a wedding and, and uh, when it comes to marriage, does marriage include feelings? I would hope so. I hope there's some good feelings of love, right? If you're basing it on feelings, a wedding day is, is probably one of those peaks and pinnacles. I mean, it, it is, you know, everybody's dressed up to, to some degree. Everybody is showing up to witness you getting married. And there's, you know, there's a, a special party, a reception in your honor, and people come bearing gifts. I mean, everything is geared to the wedding couple. Does that happen every single day? And that would, that would be pretty, pretty cool, right? So the, the wedding day is kind of the peak or pinnacle if you're thinking about the feelings and the emotions, the ceremony, the reception, all of that. But every single day might not be just like the wedding day. There's going to be some tough times, some difficult days, some not so high kind of peaks and days. If the feelings aren't there, does that mean that the love is not there? That the relationship is not there? We can't, we can't base a marriage purely on feelings, although we enjoy having good feelings. There's that love, there's that faithfulness, there's that commitment. But sometimes when it comes to our walk with God, we base it on signs. What's God showing? Sometimes God does. Or we base it on feelings, we base it on emotions, and sometimes we have that. 
maybe not every single day. So maybe, maybe for some of you this morning, you've been focusing on sign after sign or feeling after feeling or emotion after emotion rather than getting plugged in and connected to God himself. Could be a possibility. Secondly, why don't we always feel God? Well, maybe we're distracted. God's with us, but maybe we're distracted and we're just not sensing or experiencing him. Here's a powerful passage, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 40. More than likely, you've heard, you, you understand, you've known a little bit about this particular story. It's the Mary, Martha, and Jesus story. Here's how that goes. Jesus and his disciples were on their way, and he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, which is Jesus. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Did you catch that? Jesus, in the flesh, was right there in front of her. And what was Martha's response? Jesus, tell my sister Mary to get in here and help me do stuff. She's just spending all this time with you and your presence. And, ah, oh, can't stand it, Jesus. Help, tell her to help me. It says she was distracted by all the preparations. Jesus himself was in her house. Her mindset was about all the preparations, all the stuff that had to be done, more than likely for him, right? Maybe preparations for a meal, maybe preparations for having him come. So she's thinking about all the stuff she wants to do for him, and yet she's not spending time with him. That doesn't sound familiar to us at all, does it? Unfortunately, we can get very distracted as Christians. We can get so wrapped up in doing stuff for God, busy doing things for God, that we lose track of God. His power, his presence, he's right there with us. And we say, whoa, 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 wait a second, God. I got a whole bunch of things I want to do for you. I'm, I'm so busy. Let me do this, and then let me do this, and then let me do this. Oh, and by the way, if you could tell them to help me out because I'm doing way too much. And he's right there in front of us. Mary's chosen to to spend some time with him in his presence. Martha, unfortunately, was distracted by preparations. Maybe you have been busy doing good things. Church things, community things, family things, good things, not sinful things, but good things. 
And sometimes doing the good things has kept us from the God things. Spending time in, with him in his presence. Now, it, it takes less than doing good things to get us distracted, right? I didn't get too many amens, but I would, I would venture to say yes. We can get distracted by a lot of things, right? Technology, social media, sports, shopping, television. I mean, you name it, there's something that you or I love to do. I, I mentioned a few, but you just fill in the blank with yours, whether I hit yours or not. There's something that we enjoy, that we love, and oftentimes it will keep us from time spent with God. We can get distracted. Still some good things, still some positive things, but we're going in this opposite direction, chasing down some, some bunny trails or as the animated movie might show, squirrel. We get distracted by something else that captures our attention. It's good. In some cases, it's, it's godly or it's Christ-like or it, it might involve family or friends or church or community. But many times, it's, it's some of our other desires or needs or wants or hobbies. There's a lot of different things that can distract us. So maybe, maybe like Martha, we are distracted and as a result, not sensing God in his presence. Jesus Christ was in her home, and she was worried with other things. Mary was desiring to spend time with Jesus. Mary desired to be in his presence. Martha was distracted. So maybe, maybe we're looking for signs or feelings. Maybe we are distracted. Number three, maybe... Our heart has hardened. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching about the parable of the sower. And he transitions to quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Matthew 13, verses 14 and 15. Jesus speaking to the people that's gathered. He says, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Maybe at some point in time, if, if we're being honest, if you're being honest, and you look back in time, back to when you maybe surrendered your heart to the Lord, maybe there was a softer heart for God. A softer heart, a more sensitive heart for what God was desiring to do and to speak and maybe to want to do in and through you. Maybe over time, Maybe we've allowed some other things to kind of creep into our lives and, and keep us from God. Maybe it's the distractions we've just talked about. But maybe our heart has little by little hardened. 
over time. Things that maybe when we first gave our life to the Lord, maybe you remember really being convicted about things and, and you, just, you just knew and you sensed God was kind of speaking to your heart about how to do certain things and, and how to stay away from and avoid things that would, that would bring you down in your spiritual walk. Your heart was really open and really sensitive to God. Maybe over time, little by little, well, I can handle this. I'm okay to do that. I can make it through this. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. I can make it. And little by little, maybe that sensitivity to God has been decreased. Or maybe the, the hardening of our heart takes place. If you've had different things with your heart, uh, different things with arteries or veins, those little blockages that add up, do they go instantaneously? Usually it goes little by little over time. I mean, it's, sometimes it's hereditary. Sometimes it's, it's some of the things that we eat. And over time, little by little, some of those things build up in our, in our arteries or veins. Much the same way, sometimes in our spiritual heart, little things can kind of build up or add up decreasing the sensitivity to what God's wanting to speak to us. Decreasing what God's wanting to do in us and through us. So maybe you were close to God and, and little by little through distractions or other things, your heart has little by little turned and become less sensitive. Maybe over time you have prayed for certain things. You've, you've prayed that God would heal and maybe God didn't heal or didn't heal in the, in the way that you were hoping. Or maybe you prayed for God's provision and that provision didn't come, or at least in the way that you were hoping. Maybe you've prayed for a family member. Maybe you've prayed for a friend. Maybe somehow you've prayed prayers. They weren't answered, or they weren't answered how you thought or hoped or desired. And over time, maybe that heart is hardened because you say, does God really care? Does God really love it? If God's real and powerful, why would this happen? There's a lot of questions. Maybe somewhere along the way, we've asked a lot of those questions, and little by little, our heart is hardened. Or maybe, maybe you've kind of been prompted by God, and you're going to step out and take a, take a step, take a, a leap of faith to obey and honor and maybe do something you felt him nudging you to do. Maybe it didn't quite go the way you'd hoped. Maybe you didn't see these incredible signs and wonders and, and miracles. Or, or maybe you kind of struggled and you felt, did I, did I really hear God? And you've questioned and stepped back and allowed maybe that sensitivity in your heart to decrease. Certainly in the hardness of heart, maybe along the way, somebody's hurt you or maybe you've been hurt. Church, pastor, Christian. And somewhere along the line, you've kind of resisted seeking more about God because of what this person said or what person did or, or didn't do. 
So maybe one of the reasons that we don't sense or feel God and, and his presence is because somehow over, over time, through many different potential means, maybe our heart has hardened. Number four, why else? Why else maybe do we sometimes say that we don't sense or feel God? Maybe sin has separated us from God. Maybe in our walk, maybe in our life, we've built a wall brick by brick, a wall of sin that hinders our intimacy, our closeness, that connection to God. Here's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Prophet Isaiah uses a, a pretty vivid picture he says, God's able to see, God's able to hear. He's not deaf. Unfortunately, what he's saying is, at times, your iniquities, your sins have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face. God's not deaf. He hears you. But perhaps we've built the wall of sin that's come in between us. Understand, we are not perfect. Even after we give our lives to the Lord, there, there's times that we're going to sin. What ought we to do then? Confess. Repent. Be right with God. But if we, we allow those sins to continue building up, we, we don't repent, we don't confess, it's almost as if that wall is built between us and God. If we continue living in that unrepentant sin, it's going to affect the relationship. True? Let me put it to you like this. Another marriage illustration. We had our, our wedding yesterday that we performed. I'm married to Kim. If I sin against Kim, are we still married? Shake your head, say yes. But if I sin against Kim, does that mean the relationship is exactly the same? Shake your head back and forth and say no. So we're married, but that, that relationship, that connection is a little different. If... If I do something against her, if I talk down to her, if I'm mean, if I'm this, if I'm that, if I sin and I'm not repentant and I don't make things right, it's as if that wall keeps getting built up between me and her. We're still married. Depending on what's done. But there's a... There's a a gulf, perhaps, widening between us if there's more and more unrepentant sin that's not made right, that's not asked forgiveness for, that, that's, that's not made right. It's basically what Isaiah is writing about. 
We're still sons and daughters of the king, but when we've got sin in our lives with God, we've got to ask his cleansing and ask his forgiveness to be made right. And when we don't, day after day, week after week, it's as if brick by brick, block by block, that wall continues to be built. That's a barrier between us and God. So maybe over time, there's unrepentant sin. Maybe over time, we've allowed those things to build up. We've not confessed. We've not asked God to make that right. We've not turned from those sins, turning to God. And perhaps, maybe sin has separated us from God. Still his son, still his daughter. There's a, a big hindrance there to be able to sense and hear and feel God in his presence. Here's a final one this morning. We've looked at a number of them. This isn't all-inclusive. Maybe, maybe we've hit one that's uh, applied or, or dealt with you. Here's a final one that's pretty important. Why don't you sense God? Why don't you feel God? In some cases, perhaps you truly don't know God. Maybe you honestly don't know Him. You've not connected to God. You've not become a child of God. Maybe you know a lot about Him, but you don't truly know Him. How many of you would say that's a pretty big difference? Knowing about someone and truly knowing someone. I mean, there, there's a lot of important, impressive, famous people that no doubt at some point in time you've connected, maybe you said hi, you passed them. You don't know things about them, but you know of them. You know, if you were to find one of your favorite sports stars and came across them, you'd know a little something. You'd have some statistics about them or a little bit of their background or history or college or whatnot. But you don't really know them, probably. Perhaps, maybe, maybe you've been in church for quite a while. And you know a bunch of things about God. And you can answer a bunch of Bible questions. And you can sing a bunch of the songs and, and know words to the songs. But maybe you don't truly have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't truly know God. Maybe it's more head knowledge about him instead of that heart relationship with him. Here's what Jesus says in John 7, 28 and 29. Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him, because I am from him and he sent me. He's talking about God. I know God. I'm from him. He sent me. Man, there, you can't get any more close or personal connection than Jesus to the Father. But maybe for you or, or maybe for others that you know about, 
they truly don't have this sense of, of the power and the presence of God? Because maybe they've never responded. Maybe they've never surrendered their heart and life to Jesus. They do know about him. How many of you know coming to church doesn't make you a Christian? Having a godly parent does not make you a Christian. Having a godly grandparent, it's awesome, doesn't make you a Christian. Each and every one of us, we've got to respond to God ourselves on a personal level. So maybe there's individuals who say, I just don't sense God working in my life. Maybe you or maybe they don't truly know God. Now, we've looked at a, a number of possibilities, a number of maybes. Let me give you a definite as we close, a definite promise, a powerful promise from the Word of God. It's true. It's for you. It's for me. It's for today. The promise is this. You will find God when you seek after Him. You say, I'm not sure if I sense God or his power or his presence. You will find God when you seek him. Here's what Jeremiah in chapter 29, verse 13 and 14 says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from the nations and places and bring you back to the place where I've carried you into exile. God's not desiring a game of hide and seek. God's not somehow leaving us, playing a trick on us, saying, I hope you'll notice that I've left. Now, make it a game and try to come and find me. He declares, when you seek me, you'll find me, guaranteed. He says, I'll be found by you. How does he want us to, to come after him? To seek him wholeheartedly with all of who we are as we seek after God. He delights in revealing himself. He's not somehow trying to hide himself saying, oh, I hope you don't find me. He delights in revealing more of himself, more of his power, more of his presence in our lives. He loved us so much, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, reveal his heart, die on the cross for us. He sent the Holy Spirit to come and live with inside of us, to dwell within us. God wants to reveal himself to you and to me. Well, how do we seek God and how do we do that wholeheartedly? Handful of principles. Nothing new, nothing earth shattering. Reminders of, of things that we know. God's revealed himself in his word. This book, the Bible. I encourage you on a daily basis to get into it, to read it, to study it. God reveals more of who he is and what he's done and what he desires through his word. We can seek him wholeheartedly by seeking him 
in the Bible. We can also seek Him through prayer. Talking, connecting, listening to God in prayer. I've said, I've not personally heard an audible voice, an out loud God speaking like I'm speaking on a microphone, but yet God has spoken time and again through His Word, through prayer. So the Bible and prayer, two key ways. Certainly worship and spending time with other believers, other Christians. If we seek Him wholeheartedly, we seek Him with all of who we are in our heart. He says, you will find me. You'll be found. So why don't we sometimes feel God? Why don't we sometimes sense that presence of God? We've looked at some maybes. Maybe we're too busy looking for signs or feelings. Maybe we've been distracted. Maybe our heart has hardened. Maybe sin has separated us from God. Maybe we truly don't have a relationship with God. The good news is that you can. The good news is you can have a relationship with him. The good news is that he said he will be found if we seek him with all of our heart.